everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Pillow Talk with Mark and B, the podcast where we just talk. I'm B, and I'm here with my husband. Mm-hmm. Yes, welcome, welcome. And I'm here with uh, Mr. Mr. Screwtape. Mr. Screwtape. Mm-hmm. Do you we're ever feel like we're just him. like, we shouldn't be reading these? Like, were these ever meant for us? <laughs> no, these are th- private letters. No, I think, uh, I think <laughs> these are private letters. That is funny, isn't we that? get arrested for these things. Yeah, because isn't, isn't that the story of these things? Like, he wrote these to Tolkien, it's just like letters or whatever, and then they kind of... No, he said that he would never tell, or it's not important how he got this information. Oh, oh, I see. Mm. So maybe he was the one who was creeping. I see what you're saying. Dun, dun, dun. We'll find out hopefully by the end. Well, I don't think we will. He's let us know that it's not important. (laughs) Which is sad, but that's fine. I am glad that we're here reading it. It's very interesting stuff. Um, Like we, oh, this is another, like, couple chapters of The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. Uh, you want to just kick it off? Yeah. <clears throat> My dear Wormwood. Oh, this is chapter 10, by the way. Mm. Go. <laughs> I was delighted to hear from Triptease that your patient has made some very desirable new acquaintances and that you seem to have used this event in a really promising manner. I gathered there that the middle-aged married couple that called at office are just the sort of people we want to know. Rich, smart, superficial, intellectual, and brightly skeptical about everything in the world. I gather that they are even vaguely pacifist, not on moral grounds, but from an ingrained habit of belittling anything that concerns the great mass of their fellow men, and from a dash of purely fashionable and literally communism. This is excellent, and you seem to have made good use of all his social, sexual, and intellectual vanity. Tell me more. Did he commit himself deeply? I don't mean in words. There is a subtle play of looks and tones and laughs by which a mortal can imply that he is on the same party as those of whom he is speaking. That is the kind of betrayal you should specially encourage, because a man does not fully realize it himself, and by the time he does, you will have made withdrawal difficult. No doubt he must very soon realize that his own faith is in direct opposition to the assumptions on which all the conversations of his new friends is based. I don't think that matters such much provide that you can persuade him to postpone any open acknowledgement of the fact and this, with that aid of shame, pride, and modesty and vanity, will be easy to do. As long as the postponement lasts, he will be in a false position. He will be silent when he ought to speak and laugh when he ought to be silent. He will assume at first only by his manner, but presently by his words, all sorts of cynical and skeptical attitudes which are not really his, but if you play him well, they may become his. All mortals tend tend to... All mortals tend to turn into the thing they're pretending to be. This is elementary. The real question is how to prepare for the enemy's counterattack. The first thing is to delay as long as possible. The moment at which he realizes a new pleasure as a temptation. Since the enemy's servants have been preaching about the world as one of the great standard temptations for 2,000 years, this might seem difficult to do. But fortunately, they have said very little about it for the last few decades. In modern Christian writings, though, I see much, indeed more than I like, about Maman, 
I see few things. I fe- I see few of the old warnings about worldly worldly vanities and the choice of friends and the value of time. All that your patient would probably classify as puritanism. And may I remark in passing that the value we have given to that word is one of a really solid triumphs of the last hundred years. By it, we rescue annually thousands of humans from temperance, chastity, and sobriety of life. Sooner or later, however, the real nature of his new friends must become clear to him, and then your tactics must depend on the patient's intelligence. If he is big enough of a fool, you can get him to realize the character of his friends only while they are absent. Their presence can be made to sweep away all criticism. If this succeeds, he can be introduced to le- uh, to live, live, yeah, he can be introduced to live. <laughs> As I have known many humans live for long, quite long periods, two parallel lives, he will not only appear to be, but actually be a different man in each of those circles he frequents. Failing this, there is a subtler and more entertaining method. He can be made to take a positive pleasure in perception of the two sides of his life are inconsistent. This is done by exploiting his vanity. He can be taught to enjoy kneeling beside the grocer on Sunday just because he remembers that the grocer could not possibly understand the urban and mocking world which he inhabited on Saturday evening. And contrarywise, to enjoy the broadly and blasphemy over the coffee with the admirable friends all the more because he is aware of deeper spiritual world within him which they cannot understand. You see the idea? The worldly friends touch him on one side and the grocer on the other, and he is a complete, balanced, complex man who sees round them all. Thus, while being permanently treacherous to at least two sets of people, he will feel, instead of shame, a continual undercurrent of self-satisfaction. Finally, if all else fails, you can persuade him, in defiance of conscience, to continue to acquire... to continue the acquaintance on the grounds that he is, in some unspecified way, doing these people good by mere fact of drinking their cocktails and laughing at their jokes, and that they cease to do would be priggish, priggish, intolerant, and of of course puritanical. Meanwhile, you will of course take the obvious precaution of seeing that this new development introduces him to spend more than he can afford, and to neglect his work and his mother. (laughs) Her jealousy and alarm and the increasing evasiveness or rudeness will be your, will be your invaluable, will be invaluable for your aggravation of the domestic tension. Your affectionate Uncle Screwtape. You want to talk about why you giggled? Oh, just my reading is funny sometimes, just like... Oh no! And that, no, that one was mother. Him and his mother. <laughs> the line was, uh, "To spend more than he can afford and to neglect, neglect his work and his mother." Yeah, just funny. <laughs> um, okay, so my first thoughts are, like, again, if we're like talking about how we're supposed to be this, like, your your best self, your whatever, and that's the goal. And then if these demons are trying to distract us from being that. Then it's interesting how they would, yeah, use different people around you. And I guess we've talked about this too. Like, you are the sum of the five people you surround yourself with. Yeah. So, like. Um, Yeah, and, like, you can't be drinking with them and getting slammered and then proclaiming you're a Christian. But it's like, well, you're doing it for social reasons to fit in. But it's like, you know, that the enemy would 
the enemy says be in the world not of it even from like, this perspective even like yeah hanging yeah. out with the people like i know people who were like yeah i never drank i never drank and it's yeah. like what does drink mean get drunk because you always have a drink in your hand like what does that mean exactly to you like it's just and then yeah you can kind of see yeah just who you are is a sum of the five people around you so like yeah. if I've always said, if you don't inspire me, support me, or encourage me, yeah. you kind of can't be around me. Yeah, and this one also kind of talks about how uh, to not get swept up in those five people. Like, um, don't, uh, if they're doing silly things, learn to say no. Mm-hmm. Even no to your friends or whatever. Like, uh, Yeah, like don't. Don't be... let the ca- crowd persuade you. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's um, like, if you can get them to that state where the crowd just persuades them, and then it's easy. Interesting. Um, Okay, chapter 11. My dear Wormwood, everything is clearly going very well. I'm especially, I am especially glad to hear that two new friends now have made him acquainted with their whole set. All these, as I find from the record office, are thoroughly reliable people, steady, consistent scoffers, and worldlings who, without any spectacular crimes are progressing quietly and comfortably towards our father's house you speak of their beings being you speak of there being great laughters i trust this does not mean that you under the impression that laughter is always in our favor the point is worth some attention i divide the causes of human laughter into joy fun and joke proper and flippancy you will see for See the first among friends and lovers reunited in the eve of the holiday, so joy. Among adults, some pretext in the way of jokes is usually provided, but the facility the which the facility with which the smallest witticisms produce laughter at such a time shows they are not the real cause. What the real cause is, we do not know. Something like it is expressed in much of the detestable art which the humans call music, and some like it occurs in heaven, a meaningless acceleration in the rhythm of celestial experience, quite opaque to us. Laughter of this kind does us no good, and it should always be discouraged. Beside the phenomenon is of itself disgusting, and is a direct insult to the realism, dignity, and austerity of hell. Fun is closely related to joy a sort of emotional froth arising from the play instinct. It is of very little use to us. It can be sometimes used, of course, to divert humans from something which the enemy would like them to be feeling or doing, but in itself, it has wholly undesirable tendencies. It promotes charity, courage, contentment, and many other evils. The joke proper, which turns on sudden perception of integrity, is a much more promising field. I'm not thinking primarily of indecent or body humor, which is, which though much relied upon by the second rate tempers, tempters, is often disappointing in its results. The truth is that humans are pretty clearly divided on this matter in two classes. There are some whom no passion is as serious as lust, and for whom an indecent story ceases to produce lasciviousness precisely in so far as it becomes funny. There are others in whom laughter and lust are excited at the same moment and by the same things. The first sort joke about sex because 
it gives rise to many intragruities. The second cultivate intragruities because they afford a pretext for talking about sex. If your man is of the first type, body humor will not help you. I shall never forget the hours which I wasted, hours to me of unbearable tedium, with one of my early patients in bars, smoking rooms, before I learned this rule. Find out which group the patient belongs to and see that he does not find out. The use of jokes or humor is is in a quite different direction. It's almost specially promising among the English who take their sense of humor so seriously that the deficiency in the sense is almost the only deficiency at which they feel shame. Humor is for them the all-consoling and, mark this, the all-excusing grace of life. Hence, it is invaluable as a means of destroying shame. If a man simply lets others pay for him, it's his mean. If, oh, he is mean. If he boasts about it in a jocular manner and twits his fellows with having being scored off, he is no longer mean, but a comical fellow. Mere cowardice is shameful. Cowardice boasted of with humorous exaggerations and grotesque gestures can be passed off as funny. Cruelty is shameful, unless the cruel man can represent it as a practical joke. A thousand body or even blasphemous jokes do not help towards a man's damnation, so much as his discovery that almost anything he wants to do can be undone, not only with disapproval, but with admiration of his fellows, if only it gets itself treated as a joke. And this temptation can be almost entirely hidden from your patient by the English seriousness about humor. Any suggestion that there may be too much of it can can be represented as puritanical or betraying a lack of humor. But flippancy is best of all, best of all. In the first place, it can be very economical. Only a clever human can make a real joke about virtue or indeed about anything else. Any of them can be trained to talk as if virtue were funny. Among flippant people, that joke is always assumed to have been made. No one actually makes it, but every serious subject is discussed in a matter which implies that they have already found a ridiculous side to it. If prolonged, the habit of flippancy builds up around a man the finest armor plating against the enemy that I know. It is quite free from the dangers inherent in the other sources of laughter. It is a thousand miles away from joy. It deadens instead of sharpening the intellect, and it excites no affection between those who practice it. Your affectionate uncle, Screwtape. Um, yeah, that one. Okay, so that one's interesting. I like to be a funny man. When is a joke not funny? Yeah. You know, sometimes there are, there's a, like, yeah, it's that fine line where it's like the more inappropriate the joke, the funnier it tends to be. I mean, you love your dick jokes. But, oh, well, and that was another thing. That's, that's not even like complex humor or like edgy humor. That's just simple dick humor. That's like the lowest brow of humor. Like, uh, so is it like, just, yeah, I don't know. It's just interesting. Like, uh, and yeah, that's it, probably been like the outside world's biggest thing is just like oh well i guess it talked Lord. about that because yeah. it talked about like your it's just a dick joke versus saying something related to that to open the topic of sex yeah um yeah still i think what kind of stood out to me was um it's tougher to make a joke with a higher intellect or something like that um it was like with uh with about higher values mm-hmm 
uh, than it is to make the comedy. Only dick a joke. clever human can make a real joke about virtue or indeed about anything else. None of them have to be trained as if virtue were funny. Yeah. So basically, yeah, you know, it's easy to just make dick jokes and be a silly guy, and you know, it's even too even easy to push the line and say inappropriate things, but only the clever can make other types of jokes. So I'm gonna start trying to make more clever jokes. I still love dick jokes. They're so funny. I feel like I I don't know how to joke. I don't I don't feel like I'm funny. Like I feel like you're definitely the funny one with us. You make me laugh though. I mean like <laughs> it's just, it's just like dancing around the house singing. It's not like funny. I'm the joke. I'm the No funny. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, one last chapter? Yeah. I could read it, yeah. Go for it. Um This is chapter twelve. Mm-hmm. My dear Wormwood. I also love these names. Also, I think you said that other name wrong. You Trip-t- said... Triptive. Yeah, but it was Triptweez. Triptweez. Hmm? You yeah, said was... Triptease. <laughs> Triptease. Which, I mean, all in all, whatever. But <laughs> I'm learning to fly. I'm learning to read. <laughs> Twelve, eh? Yeah. Obviously, you're making excellent progress. My only fear, in lest, in least in attempting to hurry the patient, you awaken him to a sense of his real position. For you and I, who see that position as it really is, must never forget how to totally uh, different. It how totally different it ought to appear to him. We know that we have introduced a change of direction in his course, which is already carrying him out of his orbit around the enemy. But he must be made to imagine that all the choices which have affected this change, of course, are trivial and uh, revoca- revocable. Revocable? Yeah, it must be revocable, yeah. He must not be allowed to suspect that he is now, however, slowly heading right away from the sun on a line in which will carry him into the cold and dark of utmost space. For this reason, I am almost glad to hear that he is still in... He is still a churchgoer and a uh, communicant. Where is that? Uh, right this one. Communicant? Communicant. Oh, because he is in communion? Yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah. That's why I was kind of thinking. I know there are dangers in this, but anything is better than that he should realize the break he has made with the first month of his Christian life. As long as he retains eternally that the habits of a Christian, he can still be made to think of himself as one who has adopted a few new friends and amusements by whose spiritual state is much the same as it was six weeks ago. And while he thinks that, we do not have the, have to contend with the explicit repentance of a definite, fully recognized sin, but only with his vague, though uneasy feeling that he hasn't been doing very well lately. This dim un easiness needs careful handling if it gets too strong it may wake him up and spoil the whole game on the other hand if you suppress it entirely by which which by the by the enemy will probably not allow you to do we lose the element in the situation which can be turned to good account if such a feeling is allowed to live but not allowed to become irresistible and flower into real repentance it has one invaluable tendency it increases the patient's reluctance to think about the enemy. All humans at nearly all times have some 
such reluctance, but one thinking of him involves facing and intensifying a whole vague cloud of half-conscious guilt. This reluctance is increasing tenfold. They hate every idea that suggests him, just as men in financial embarrassment hate that very sight of the past book. Uh, in this state, your patient will not omit, but he will increasingly dislike his religious duties. He will think about them very little as he feels decently can beforehand, and forget them as soon as possible when they are over. A few weeks ago about them, as little as he feels he decently can be beforehand, and forget them as soon as possible when they are over. A few weeks ago you had to tempt him to unreality and unintention, unattention, inattention, his in his prayers, but now you'll find him opening his arms to you and almost begging you to distract his purpose and benumb his heart. He will want his prayers to be unreal, for he will dread nothing so much as effective contact with the enemy. His aim will be to not let sleeping worms lie. As this condition becomes more fully established, you will be gradually freed from the tiresome business of providing pleasures as temptations. As the uneasiness and his reluctance to face it cut him off more and more from all real happiness, and all and as habit renders the pleasures and vanity and excitement and flippancy at once less pleasant and harder to forgo, for that is the what habit fortunately does to a pleasure, we will find anything that or nothing is sufficient to attract his wandering attention. You no longer need a good book what he really likes to keep him from his prayers or his work or his sleep. A column of advertisements in yesterday's paper will do. You can make him waste time not only in conversating his enjoys with people whom he likes, but in conversations with those he cares nothing about on subjects that bore him. You can make him do anything you can make him do nothing at all for long periods of time. You can keep him up late at night, not rust roostering roistering? Only with this words. Not roistering. Roistering. Hmm. Do you know what that means? Uh, roister, roist. I don't know. Hmm. Kind of reminds me of holster, but I know it has nothing to do with that word. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Um. But <laughs> starting at a dead fire in a cold room. I'm just trying to. F I lost where I was completely. Oh. Right here. Roistering, there it is. <laughs> but starting at a dead fire in a cold room, all the healthy and outgoing activities which we want him to avoid can be inhabited and nothing given in return. So that, at least last, he may say, as one of my own patients said on his arrival down here, I now see that I spent most of my life doing neither what I ought nor what I like. The Christians describe the enemy as the one without whom nothing is strong, and nothing is very strong, strong enough to steal away a man's very best years, not in sweet sins, but in a dreary flickering of the mind over it, knows not what and knows not why, in the gratification of curiosities so feeble that the man is only half aware of them, in drumming of fingers and kicking of heels, in whistling tunes that he does not like, or in a long, dim labyrinth of reveries that have not even lust or ambition to give them relish, by which once chance association has started them, the creature is too weak and fuddled to shake off. 
you will say that these are very small sins and doubtless like all tempters you are anxious to be able to report spectacular wickedness but do remember that only thing that matters is the extent to which you separate the man from the enemy it does not matter how small the sins are and provided that their cumulative effect is to edge the man away from the light and out into nothing murder is no better than cards if cards can do the trick Indeed, the steadfast road to hell, hell is a gradual one, the gentle slope and soft underfoot without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. Your affectionate uncle screw tape. <clears throat> that one's interesting. I have three thoughts. Well, three little things. Go for it. Okay, so the first one, um, he will want his prayers to be unreal, for he will dread nothing as much as effective contact with the enemy, the enemy being God. His aim will be to let sleeping worms lie. So this is really interesting because, like, genuinely, let's just think about this. The God who created you, according to this belief, the God who created you appears in front of you and is like, hey, I know that you've been calling yourself a Christian. Let's talk about it. Where were you Saturday night? Uh-huh. Where, like, what were you thinking when you were sitting beside that girl at church? Like, all yeah, of yeah, these yeah. just tiny little things where it's like, do you actually really want to meet God? Yeah, How's your yeah. relationship with your kids? How's your relationship with your wife? How's your relationship with, I don't know, how, sure. how's your computer history? Like all of these little tiny things that it would be fair for, I feel like, God to ask after, you know, saying that you're Yeah, give me this, give me that, and, give me this, you know? praying for this, praying for that, demand this. So that's really interesting. Um, and then there was another one. Oh, yeah, I feel like you, you thought this too. Um, you can keep them up at late late at night okay but staring at a dead fire in a cold room all the healthy and outgoing activities which we want him to avoid can be inhibited and nothing given in return so that at last he may say as one of my own patients said on his arrival down here i now see that i spent most of my time in life doing neither what i ought nor what i liked i like that one so much yeah where it's like, yeah, you're just wasting your life. And it's like, it's not even like the only things you do are things you shouldn't be doing. Like, yeah. Like when I, like if I was still in that phase where I thought that like my villain phase was the cool place, the masculine energy where I was just like on the offense and angry and hurting myself, but pretending like it made me feel good because that's what society said. And like, no, I should be sleeping around because it's empowering and like all of that stuff. I didn't like it. I knew I shouldn't be doing it, but I had to continue reminding myself, like, no, 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 this is empowering. No, 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 this will make you feel better. No, no, no. Like, and you, I knew in the moment I was like, fuck, like, I don't feel good. Like, this isn't filling the hole. And so it's very interesting that, like, yeah, like, if you look back at the last year and you're like, okay, let's just look at it. Like, am I happy with it? What have I done? Am I happy with the things that I've done? Very, very interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't waste your life. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, the last one. Probably the all sins are kind of equal down. Exactly. Yeah, all sins will get you to the same spot. Like it says that in the Bible that like yeah, all sins are equal so, in the eyes of God. So yeah. you could murder somebody, you could tell a little white lie, you could steal something, and you basically murder, yeah. We like, all just gotta repent and try to be better every day. Like regardless of what belief you're into, you always just gotta try to be better each day, and yet you're gonna fail again. And and I think your that big like failures are gonna be just the thing. Like that's that's what my does biggest repent thing. even mean? Because yeah. it's not just like 
oh, okay, now I'm better. It's like, no, 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 you have to kind of, like, rebuild yeah, the things like, that broke when you did that action. Yeah, repent would be, like, acknowledgement and then the attempt to not do it again. Not do it again or make it right. Or make it right, yeah. Like, I feel yeah, like depending. make it yeah, right yeah. has to be involved in that because you could be just, like, secretly in your room being like, okay, now I'm a better person and everybody else is broken yeah. because of what you did. Like, I feel like making it right has to be part of that action, you know? Yeah. Um... Yeah, that's a very interesting chapter. Yeah, that one was uh, very interesting. Um, I feel like in topic of just writing, he is the longest rambling on sentences. Yeah, but I feel like it's that old English kind of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and so it's hard fine. to read. It's fine, but like that was the thing. I'm like, why is it so hard? It's not just like the big words. There's a lot of big words, but it's like the long sentences with... Yeah, yeah like a lot of information. Yeah, anyways. Very yeah. interesting. Well, I guess that's chapter 10, 11, and 12 or yeah 10 11 or 12 yeah, yeah 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 okay well um that's I that guess. i enjoyed that adios adios <laughs>